Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everybody. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on March 7th, 2018, with another podcast. Um, we have a special guest with us today, someone who doesn't need a whole lot of introduction, but she's going to get it anyway. Um, Cynthia Stein, who I have known in the the uh, virtual world for a long time, is joining us. And Cynthia uh, founded and runs a company called um, eGrowth Partners, and she is like the expert of all things Amazon rules, so that's why she is here. So welcome, Cynthia. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. We're so glad you took us up on the invitation because um, all this stuff that's come out has got everybody um, um, guessing as to what what's happening. So I've got a list of questions from members, and then I have some questions of my own. So if you don't mind, can we just, like, jump right in? Yes, let's go. Okay. I'm going to do the ones that aren't bundles and multi-pack related first. Um, so we can do those, and then we can spend the rest of the time on the bundle. So um, Kim Noonfishel, who's off riding her Grand Prix show horse today, that's where she is, so we can wow. excuse her that. Yeah, this horse is gorgeous. <laughs> anyway, um, she has uh, wants to know your thoughts on the disappearing inventory problem that seems to be getting worse in Amazon. That's um, where they don't check in or say we're missing items when we know we sent them in and there is no recourse to have them investigate. Do you know any more about that and why it's happening more and more? Well, what I'm thinking is happening, uh, I'll start backwards. Uh, Why is probably because they're opening so many new warehouses and they have such a high turnover rate in the warehouses. So you're just constantly dealing with new people. Um, They're being pressured to move very fast. And um, so that's, that's part of the inaccuracy. Now, normally, if you give Amazon a few days, they actually self-correct because they usually will find it somewhere. It will get scanned, and then your inventory will be self-corrected. Um, for the situations where it doesn't, like if it's been a week and, or so and it hasn't been self-corrected, um, you know, that's basically where you would have to um, open up a case and prove that you, in fact, sent that inventory in. You know, you said you sent 20, they said you sent five, um, and you know it was four boxes of five. And so um, if you want reimbursement or anything like that, you would have to um, basically prove that that was done. And if you're doing the shipments the way they tell us to, you know, with the slip of paper and, um, you know, exactly what's in and everything and the weights and all that, it actually should be easier. Um, so uh, I will say that for most people, they do get the inventory back. It's just not always right away. Okay, so so would you suggest, because a lot of times when you, we say investigate, 
they like slap your hand immediately and say, no, the case is closed. We checked and we're right. And I've had it happen where I know, I know a thousand percent I'm right. I have invoices to prove it of what I bought from a supplier. The boxes wouldn't weigh what they weigh if they didn't. So should we open another case, separate case, and say, here, these are the invoices for the products? It was all on one invoice. It was sent in. They weighed this and get your act together, people? Okay. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would say, like, you know, I would provide the proof, you know, here's the invoices, here's the shipment that I created with, you know, four boxes, but you only registered one box. And, you know, occasionally, uh, depending on how you're shipping it in, like if it's UPS, I mean, it is possible that, you know, one box got in and then the other three show up a couple of days later. So um, that's why I say usually give them at least a week to see if it's self-corrects because um, it just may be that it's there and it's sort of (laughs) hiding they're going to find it. Because, again, eventually it's going to get scanned because they can't put it on a shelf unless it's scanned. So um, that's... Yeah, I would just open so, the case, but I so 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 you're saying it gets checked in and say I'm short ten ten widgets. Mm-hmm. Um, when it then gets moved from the receiving area to the bins where it's stored and it gets scanned again, so it's going to account for them there. Yes. So okay. that's yeah, that's what should happen. Um, and you know, uh, basically, like I said, that's why I would always give them a few days, and then when you open a case, you know, rather than ask them to investigate. Um, instead, I would just simply provide the proof, say, you know, according to our records, we sent in, you know, 10 units, you registered, you know, four, um, and, you know, the units were in this box, which looks like it got checked in in this box, which got checked in, but this box did not get checked in, or only part of this box got checked in, or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you have to look, look at it, but you will have your own records, and, um, and can provide that to them, and so... Um. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right. So, if it, if it weighs X and you know it had your slip in it, the product should be in there. Yeah. Well, we we don't have to put slips in there anymore. That's not required. Oh. We have the label we stick on the outside, so that's not required. And I'm uh-huh. a one box shipper. My stuff is so small, I can get you know hundreds of units in one box. So. Oh um, right. I know. So I it's not for me. It's not that um, they've missed a box. It's just that they've not scanned them properly, you know. Um, Again, when when they go to put stuff away, um, at that point, it should be scanned again, and um, and it should self-correct. Not every time, but a lot of times it does. So a lot of times I tell people, don't even don't even try to reconcile or worry about it until it's been more than a week. And um, that will save you a lot of time because quite often it, it does get fixed. Um, okay. But, yeah, you can open a case and just say, you know, I sent this in. You know, it didn't show up. It's not reconciling. Um, you know, and in your case, you know the box made it because everything else was listed, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so we shouldn't mm-hmm. be afraid to if we know we're right and we have the proof basically in an invoice and the weight of the box or boxes that we should open a case. So that's good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I have another question from Dana Dwyer. And this one is about an email that a lot of people got. I didn't, but I know a lot of people did. It was the, um, the one about misuse of ratings, feedback or reviews Uh and misuse of sales rank. Was that a mistake? Yes. 
So um, at least this time it was a mistake. So what happened was they sent it to a lot of sellers in North America. And um, I don't know what criteria they used, but they sent it to a lot of people. And it was a mistake. Um, So what I told all my clients who said, you know, I have no idea what they're talking about. Um, I said, okay, well, you know, look, you've you've got a chance here. So um, it's a glitch, okay. But if, if any of that triggers a thought in your mind, like, hmm, this is your chance to fix it. Because here's what I know, that that warning that you see is going to become a suspension notice. And the next time you see it, uh, it you know, you'll be suspended. So um, even though it was a mistake, you can now see it's coming down the pike. Um, and so for some people I did, I explained more what Amazon meant by this particular form of manipulation. So um, just, you know, again, for everyone to keep in the back of their mind, if any of this rings a bell, now is the time to fix it so you hopefully never okay, see that notice so again. Preemptive um, strike. Um, stop. But yes. this particular person, Dana, said she she doesn't ask for reviews. She doesn't get reviews. So she doesn't use a review service. She was yes. like, she's totally oh, in the yeah. clear. She has nothing yeah, to she fix. Was a, so. She was like a witch. And most of my clients were. Um, there were a couple where we had to have a little more in-depth conversation. But, you know, basically here's some of the things that people have been doing. This is why Amazon created this particular notice. They've been doing things like going in and up and, you know, voting up and voting down reviews, both on their own listings and on their competitors. They've had people who have gone in to Amazon and, and constantly keyed in their keywords over and over and over again. Um, that's against terms of service, and that's a, a form of manipulation, um, trying to trick the algorithm, basically. Um, oh, yeah. I never think of doing stuff like that. Where's my brain? You know, it just never dawns on me. <laughs> well, it's good because it's against terms of service. The people do it. And and then, of course, all the usual things apply, um, like buying, you know, paying for reviews, the, the PayPal trick where, you know, basically someone would buy something and then they get a PayPal payment later from the brand. Uh, um, uh-huh. Amazon is on to all of that. Um, so there there are lots of ways to try and, manipulate reviews and but I think that what this one was particularly dealing with are the the ones where people are just like I said either constantly putting in keywords or the name of your brand um, or they're um, upvoting and downvoting that's a dirty trick that I hate Um, and uh, of course always if you're having people do buys like maybe a friend's buying your competitors products and then leaving reviews you know they catch on to that too yeah yeah um, I see that happen quite a bit. Um, so I'm actually happy to see this particular suspension because it has caused a lot of pain to my clients when they have competitors pull these dirty tricks. Um, I bet. And so I'm glad to see Amazon going after it. For most people who got that notice, it didn't mean them. But I always say if you have a guilty conscience or you think, hmm, I wonder if what I was doing was wrong, you know, now is the time to clean up your act. So, yeah, I think that's uh, a great that's a great way to put it. If you have that little niggling thought in the back of your brain, maybe you need mm-hmm. to review what you're doing. So this this brings up a, a kind of a tangential I can't even say a related question um, is we have a lot of people in the group who buy things from other members of the group, not to leave reviews or anything, but because they like the product. Is that a problem? Mm-hmm. 
Um, it shouldn't be a problem, um, especially if they're not leaving reviews. Um, so does Amazon know that you're friends with all of these people? Um, I suspect that they do. Um, I can't prove it, but I suspect that they do. Um, they certainly know um, who all your friends and relatives are that you send stuff to on Amazon, right? They've linked your personal and your business account. But I suspect they actually know who all your friends are on Facebook too. So my feeling is, you know, if you're going to buy someone's product just because you like it, um, don't leave a review. Okay. I had a client um, who got a warning last week, um, you know, again, that she was having friends leave reviews. And she wasn't, but she did find out that, um, you know, someone she knew on Facebook, a friend on Facebook, had bought her product and left a review. And she says, what, I have to go tell everybody on Facebook that they can buy my product, but they can't review it? And I said, well, kind of, you know. Boy, is, and, isn't that a shame? You know, that mm -hmm. it's come to that. It is a shame. Yeah. So, because they just, you know, they suspect bias. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So, I can still keep buying my friend shirts and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. cute shirts. So, okay. Yeah. That's good. Because then that becomes some sort of weird restraint of trade thing that, you know, you can't buy anything from anybody that you're a friend with. Well, that's kind of silly. But, you know, anyway, I understand the review thing because, if if I go to buy something that's the least bit generic where there's tons of private label sellers, I can't believe any of the reviews of any of them, you know? Right. No product has five-star reviews across the board 100% in great detail, you know? Right. You can just right. smell that it's not it's not right. So I end up buying nothing. You know, instead of picking yeah. one to buy, I end up buying nothing. So I think they're kind of defeating themselves um, by trying to do this. You know, right. So. Well, they're trying to manipulate the algorithm more than anything, um, because it, again, by having more reviews, they get put up further up. So when someone does the search, they come up on top. Thus, you're more likely to buy them because most people will not scroll very far down before they mm -hmm. make a decision. That's that's what they're trying to do. Um, you know, one thing I would say though, if you do, you know, like your friend's shirts or whatever, um, I would just if they have a website or if they're posting them on Pinterest or some other social media site or, or Facebook, you know, you can, mm -hmm. you can leave a review there. Just can't leave okay. it on Amazon. Okay. So, good to know. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to get into the big one, the whole, um, the whole bundle thing that just kind of blew up across the board. And I think everybody in the group it does bundles or multi-packs of some form, so everybody should really listen to this. So we're going to start. Why did this become an issue all of a sudden? Okay, so this, um, this is a confluence of events. Okay, so some of it is Amazon policy, and I have links for that, right? Um, but some of it is not. And what it is is what I call Amazon practice. Um, and, and part of this is because of the as because of brand registry 2.0, which they launched in May, and they allowed the brands on the platform to start enforcing their trademarks and their copyrights. And so what happened was the sort of an unintended consequence is that all of a sudden a lot of these bundles were in violation of company trademarks. So even though people had followed Amazon's style guide and rules. They were now violating, and um, and you know Amazon's position on this as well 
you know, it's your responsibility to not violate someone's trademark. So thanks a lot, Amazon. Um, so that's why when I talk about the, the bundles or what's happening, part of what I'm talking about is my experience, whereas we've seen these suspensions, right? Um, and we, we see what's, what's actually happening versus what Amazon is talking about. So, you know, really briefly, just for people who might be confused about this, I had a few people who were a multi-pack in Amazon's world is, again, where you have multiple units. So, you know, you have three pairs of socks or, you know, uh, four, you know, four cases of candy bars or, or, or whatever, but they're yeah. all the same three, thing. Three, three yeah. things of shampoo. They're all identical. There's just more than one in the, in the yeah. listing. Okay. Right. And that's, and that's fine. But with multi-packs, what, and Amazon's rule is pretty clear about this, you have to have a UPC code from the manufacturer. So, and this actually started, people are like, well, since when, you know, but this actually started in grocery a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember the great grocery purge, but um, oh, yes. it was right, yeah. yeah, it was right around the same time we had to add ingredients to all of our listings. Um, they also let us know that they were, um, that we could no longer list you know, multi-packs, unless we had a, a UPC code from the manufacturer to do that. So, so that's fine if you have that. So if the manufacturer, like think about stuff that sells at Sam's Club or something. If you're buying a multi-pack there and you're selling it on Amazon, then, you know, the two-pack, the four-pack, whatever, then that's fine because you have a UPC code. Um, but if you don't have a UPC code, it's not fine. And that's where things start to get hairy because, for one thing, Amazon, uh, basically, they want us to use the GS1, and they've said so pretty clearly, um, very clearly. It's written down. Um, and uh, for another, again, they want you to use the UPC code of the brand, and because they're integrated with um, GS1, uh, they can tell right away if a listing matches the brand. So if you're selling, you know, um, I'm looking around my craft uh, macaroni and cheese, it has Kraft to have the macaroni and cheese. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. has to have a GS1 um, for craft foods. Right? Yeah, yeah, it has to belong. The basically, they're not searching the whole UPC code. They're searching the the front part, the extension is what it's called, and they see if that extension is owned by Kraft or not. Um, and so if it's not owned by Kraft, immediately gets kicked out. And, um, and so, and then they have the capability of taking down the listing. Now, for a while, they weren't doing it. Like, they, they were, and then they stopped. Now they've started again. So this is part of why I wanted to get the warning out to people. I mean, we went for like six to eight months, but there was a piece from the catalog team um, about this. Uh, and I, you know, from someone I talked to on the inside, you know, what I understand is that it, it, they had some issues that they had to fix internally. Um, but now they're back. So this, the catalog team is trying to clean up the catalog. So they're going through and they're looking at all these listings that have a UPC code that doesn't match the brand. So and they say, oh, there's something wrong here. And a lot of times they're taking down the listing. Um, that's problem number one. And then, um, the other problem is with uh, multifacts or, or anything like this is, again, if you have the brand on it, you know, 
craft macaroni and cheese and you know craft doesn't make you know the two pack um they can also craft can come after you for trademark infringement and so we have we see that happening and so um <laughs> it's a real double whammy and you know here's the seller who's like wait a minute i followed amazon's rules you know six months a year ago and I set this up, and they said that I should say it was Kraft Macaroni Cheese. Right, um, yeah, because they said don't use some other name. Use the brand name. Use the brand name, um, especially in um, multipack. You have to. So in a multipack, you have to. Okay, I think, well, that's clear, I guess. I understand that. So Kraft Macaroni and Cheese belongs to Kraft, and they get to decide whether they offer a two-pack or not. Um, and so that basically just means a lot of the multi-packs are going to go away or people are going to have to get the UPC code from Kraft, for example. And sometimes you can. Sometimes you can get the brand to give you one of their UPC codes, um, especially if you're making a large volume purchase. I mean, they may even bundle it for you, right? I mean, that's exactly what they do for Dance Club. Right. Right. They, yeah, right. they'll just shrink wrap them together and you know yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because, yeah, because fans club is making a huge purchase, and they're like, well, sure, you know, I'll give you a UPC code, I'll bundle it up for you, and shrink wrap, blah blah blah. So for some people, when they're working with a brand, uh, I don't know that Kraft will do it, but no, but some of the small brands, brands will. Yeah. Yeah, they will, and if you you know if you're making a certain commitment to them. Um, it's usually not a big deal. They buy these CPC codes by the thousands sometimes, hundreds for sure. And and so it's really not a big deal as long as it's worth their their effort, right? And yet if you're buying a, a partial container load or, you know, a, a truck load or something like that, then it may be worth it to them to, to do that. Um, now we get to bundles. Well, okay, let me so. – let me. I have a couple questions on multi-packs because I do sure. – I do multi-packs um, on a few consumable products in the craft field. Oh, that's mm-hmm. funny. The, not the craft mac and cheese, but the CRAFT field. Um, uh-huh. That um, the manufacturer does not have UPC codes. There are small, small companies that don't even have UPC codes. So when I well, made these multi-packs for the product, I used a leading-edge code from eBay. This is probably – I've been selling this one for like five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um what what should I be doing if that's the situation? The manufacturer doesn't have UPC codes. They never have, and they have told me they never will. They just don't want to be bothered. Right, which is fine. Um, so that would be a case where if you were making a new listing, you would get an exemption. And you okay. would say to Amazon, hey, Amazon, you know, um, we don't, uh, this manufacturer doesn't doesn't have UPC codes, Right. And they may want to confirm it with the brand. Um, if you could get a letter from the brand. Yeah. Uh, I have let, I have exemptions in other brands with that I got a letter, so that was yeah. easy. But what happened but to that you, listing that I made years ago? Right. What happens? Well, in your case, um, you're not going to have a GS1 problem because your manufacturer does not have UPC codes. So Amazon's going to see you know, here's the UPC code, it's not going to match anything in, in GS1, but it's not going to clash with anything in GS1 either, mm-hmm. right? They're not going to find XYZ brand in there because XYZ brand does not have codes. 
So I tell you, you're probably just fine. Um, if they ever decide to do UPC codes, you know, um, I'll tell people this who, who are going, because some of my clients are actually going back and getting permission for these multi-packs, right? And they're getting UPC codes. So I tell people you can't change the UPC code on a listing, but you can add another UPC code. And I've seen that on listings where it has multiple UPC codes yes. on a listing. That's, that's what I suggest that people do. So if they get a legit UPC code, you know, from the manufacturer at some later date, add it. Um, okay. And, and then they can say, look, that's my UPC code, right, because you know which one's the right one. Um, and, you know, and obviously when you're adding, you know, merchandise to that listing, you'll be using the UPC code and all that stuff. So that, uh, or, and or if you're getting on your invoices when you're buying merchandise, if it has that UPC code, you know, you're fine is what I'm saying. So that's how I'm, ha I'm suggesting people fix some of their um, multi-packs and, um, and actually, you know, I think that's going to, that's going to work. And in your case, like I said, if there was no UPC code, I don't think people have to worry about it. What they have to worry about is, of course, if there actually is a Kraft macaroni and cheese UPC code. Okay. Okay. Um, that, that clears a lot of stuff up. So, um, okay. so we just need to be very careful in thinking through multi-packs moving forward, mm -hmm. especially if they're big brands that it is unlikely we're going to get them to issue us a UPC code for them. Um, pretty much any brand you'll see in, you know, uh, Walmart, Target, those kind of things, you, you're not going to be able to, you know, I don't think, you know, I'm not going to be able to get Kraft to give me a UPC code. Or you right. know, um, or um, P any P and G products, they aren't going to be too. So so peeps, just be really careful um, as you move forward now um, with the mul whole multi pack thing. Um, I do think that Amazon is in this situation of being you know trying to close the barn door while you know millions of horses are stampeding out, um, yep. and they realize it's so out of control. Because when I, I I buy most everything from Amazon, you know from from trash bags to shampoo to dog food to everything. And when I go in to find and search a particular brand and see 47 different multi-pack listings, it's ridiculous. I don't want to have to mm -hmm. sort through them all, you know? So I can see where it will help clean up the catalog, but we're collateral damage um, mm -hmm. in that um, we followed the rules at one time and now the rules are different, you know? So now we have to go back to clean up things. So. Right. Well, and, and so, here's, part, here's part of what the cleanup involves, too. Besides, so meshing with the GS1 is about authenticity. So it's about proving that the product is genuine, right? So if it has a UPC code from the brand, it's genuine, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's their way of, you know, cutting down on counterfeit and um, stolen goods, gray market goods. Mm -hmm. um, and um, they would say it's a coincidence, but it's not that it also hurts uh, arbitrage sellers a lot because, you know, again, they're buying retail. So they don't have invoices. So right, the exactly. Pe the people who have invoices are going to weather the storm. Um, the people who have receipts are going to find it much harder. And um, if they have listings taken down or if they have, you know, problems, um, you know, Amazon's going to say, well, 
you know, you don't even have invoices, right? So they're they're going to have they're going to have multiple problems with that listing with you on it. That I mean, you know, they're going to think the product is inauthentic. You know, you don't have permission from the brand to create this. Um, you know, you're probably going to lose a lot of listings over time as Amazon gets to them. Um, so when you look at bundles, you have the same problem and then some. So with bundles, this is where you put lots of things together. And this is also what happened in food. So that's why I said this is a bit of progression and it's gotten to beauty now. Um, but uh, Amazon's been doing it as a progression across the board. So with a bundle, you say, oh, okay, I'm going to put together, um, you know, this camera and a tripod. This is the example they use, a camera, a tripod, mm -hmm. and um, a carrying case. Mm -hmm. um, great. And it's a Kodak camera, and it's an XYZ tripod, and it's a PDQ case. So Amazon has no problem with that. Okay. But what you can't say is that Kodak is the manufacturer, right, because Kodak is not the manufacturer. They didn't make they didn't, the tripod or the case. Right. They didn't create the bundle. Now, if they were all Kodak-branded products and they didn't create the bundle, well, that's easy enough. You just get the UPC, right? But uh, And let's say you have a good relationship with Kodak and they've given you permission to sell the tripod, the case, and the camera. Fine. You know, um, but again, you may say, can I have a UPC code for this bundle that I've created. Um, but we're assuming in the, in the case of most bundles, the camera, the tripod, and the carry case are all different products. So then what you have to do, Amazon says, is you have to first of all say in the title that it's a bundle. People were asking, do I have to say it's a bundle? Like, yeah. yeah. Would the word set work? Um, like, or package, you know, like, you know, photo package containing camera, tripod, carrying case? Probably. Amazon okay. specifically said bundle, okay, and in their examples, they said, you know, bundle. Um, but, I mean, I think a set is pretty clear. Um, but they said it recommended. Yeah. They didn't say it had to. That's where the gray area comes in. That, that's right. That's where the gray area comes in. So my, my feeling is if it's clear, you're probably fine. I have not seen anybody get in trouble for that. I've never seen anyone okay. get in trouble because they used a different word besides bundle. Where okay. I, see them I get use trouble, that a lot. Yeah. yeah. So where I see them get in trouble is where, again, they put Kodak as the brand. And it's not Kodak, right? I mean, the camera might be Kodak, but the whole bundle is different brands. Um, that's where we start to see problems. And um, and so what Amazon wants, this is what they want for these bundles. You're going to create that bundle. Um, they want it to be your bundle. And so you would say, you know, Cynthia's Camera Shop. But you right? use your store name as the brand? Um, I could. Or, yes, or I could create a new one. Um, okay. Yeah. But, yes, you could use your store name. Like, if your store name is you know, uh, picturesque cameras or, you know, camera shop or whatever, yeah, of course, you would just use your own. And so you're, you're the brand. You're the manufacturer. You're the one who's creating this bundle. And you can't um, – this is where it gets confusing because they would say you're allowed to say that it's a Kodak camera, right? Kodak camera, 
XYZ tripod PDQ case. Um, and that's the example that they give. But in reality, that's not how it's working, not anymore. Because now with the brands coming on the platform with Brand Registry 2.0 and taking control of their listings, when they see that you put the Kodak in the title, they will claim trademark infringement. Right, and that was the exact question, K KF, that's the exact question. So. Yes, and that's what's happening, is, that, is that's what they're doing. And so, you know, people say, well, Amazon says I can do that. I'm like, they do, but they will not support you in a trademark infringement case. So if Kodak comes after you, then what's going to happen is um, they'll say, well, resolve it with the rights holder. Okay. So this is why I was suggesting that what people should think about doing was, you know, say bundle, you know, um, camera, tripod, carrying case. And, and you could say some details about the camera, you know, uh, 300 jillion megapixel, you know, handheld camera, you know, whatever. Um, you know, you can put details in there, but I wouldn't put the brand name there. Then in the first bullet, in the description, and in the description, but the first bullet, you can say, you know, includes, and there you can put a Kodak XYZ, a tripod, PDQ, blah, blah, blah. And you can put the brand names there. Because there you're just listing what's actually in the bundle. And So repeat I'll, that for everybody. How would you do the title again? So with the title, I would do something like, I would say, you know, Cynthia's Camera Shop is a brand. And then I would say, you know, bundle, you know, um, camera, tripod, and carrying case. And you could put details about the camera, so you could everything but the name. So you could say, you know, 300 million megapixel, you know, handheld, waterproof, you know, whatever the camera is. You can put all the details in the title. You just can't put the brand name. Same with the tripod. Same with the carry case. So okay. So what if I have a good relationship with the companies I'm bundling together? And I know they wouldn't come after me for any trademark trademark infringement. Would it then be safe to put it in the title? Yes, if you're confident, okay. because the Amazon absolutely allows you to do that. You still have okay. to have you as the as the manufacturer, right? Okay. So you that's manufacturing this particular bundle. But yeah, if you if you're buying directly from Kodak, you're buying directly from these companies, and they have no problem with you selling their product. Um, yeah, just tell them I'm going to bundle these up and they'll be like, okay. And, yeah. um, you know, you got that relationship, that's great. And so then you, then you can, and Amazon says you can, you can say it's Kodak. But let's say you don't have that permission. Um, that's when, and I will tell you, there's certain brands, um, I would never put in a title because they're just so litigious. Um, uh, Epson is one. Of, uh, actually, all the guys who make printer cartridges, all of them. Mm, okay. Any refills, any printer, anything. Do not put it in the title. They are all going after sellers like crazy. Um, and so, you know, instead you could just say, like, if it were a printer, you know, replacement cartridge, um, you know, replacement ink cartridge, uh, suitable for, you know most, uh, I don't know, you'd have to be, you have to be careful yeah. about how you word it. But anyway, um, and so you, and then in the, in the bullet, you can put exactly what it is, you know, fits XYZ printer, 
um, you know, you can be very specific there. Um, but I wouldn't say use as a replacement for the HP12345. Yeah, yeah. You know what? This I don't know if you remember the cartoons as a kid. I think it was like Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner, where they had all the flashing arrows and signs pointing to something to humorously draw your attention to something. I feel mm-hmm. like all of these changing our, uh, changes are Amazon like telling us without telling us how they want us to source products. It's very clear. They want us to have relationships with the brand owners, buy directly yeah. from the brand owners. That's it is like it is as plain as day to me, and I know people think I'm I'm you know stuck on wholesale the only way I am, and it's as it's like funneling down, it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter, mm-hmm. and the funnel's getting tighter. You know, it was it a is. wide open funnel to begin with. It's coming down, and if you don't have a relationship with the people who make or distribute legally distribute your brands and have some recourse to go back to them. It's going to be difficult to survive. It really is. It is, and um, and so you know, you, yeah. So that's that's where you know the problem comes in is potential trademark infringement. And again, if you're confident, then you can follow Amazon's guidelines and put the, their name in the title. But if you're not sure, just put it in a bullet and and use a more generic description for the title. Because here's the thing. You know, let's say it's a Kodak XYZ camera. You have that in your listing. So if someone types in in the search bar, I'm looking for a Kodak XYZ, your listing is going to come up, right? It it won't say Kodak, but it will come up. And so if it says, you know, bundle, you know, know, camera plus tripod, you know, plus carrying case, and they're interested in that, you know, they'll look at it. Um, and then, and when they do, they'll see, oh, it is the XYZ camera, right? And tripod and, and carrying case. Um, and then you can also put it in the description. So in addition to the bullet, the first bullet, you can put it in the description. Um, you know, this amazing bundle, you know, has the latest camera with, you know, professional tripod, you know, whatever you want to say, your marketing yeah. copy. Um, and, and so, and then what I tell people is Amazon either wants you to be private label, basically, or they want you to get the UPC code and permission from the brand owner. That's it. I mean, those are like your, your two choices. Um, and so, again, if you have the brand, you know, since you have camera shop and you're making camera bundles, um, that's fine. And I would tell people, be sure to, as soon as you can, brand register that. Um, right, which means you have to get it trademarked first. Yes, which can take so, a long time. Yeah, it took um, me nine months to get it yeah, done, and, and it and that that's fast actually for for the U.S. Um, and so that's the other thing too. We because we do trademark filings for our clients as well, and what we're doing right now for a lot of our clients who are really eager to get in there quickly, set up their enhanced brand listings and all of that, um, is we tell them to. Um, file in another country as well. You still have to file mm-hmm. in the U.S., but that's going to take, as you said, nine, ten months or more. Um, but there are some countries that we're filing on behalf of our clients right now. You know, France is taking six weeks to four months. Um, there are other countries that are much, much faster. And that lets you get into brand registry 2.0. Use the enhanced that's a brand great. 
That's a great hint because I have I have a brand that I have the exclusive on Amazon, and um, she's applied in the U.S. But it's going to take a while. But she operates mm-hmm. out of India, and um, she's from Finland. So she just needs to like do an EU one, the fastest one in the EU, or if India's faster, mm-hmm. do it there. Ah, that's great. Yeah, I would definitely look at the EU one. Um, I just say this because I'm not positive that India is one of the ones they accept. It oh, probably okay. is. They accept a long list of countries. Uh, I just haven't looked at India, but I do know for a fact the EU countries are. Um, so, yeah, she was in Finland. She can just apply and get it to the EU. It'll be good all over Europe. Um, and uh, so if she decides to sell in the U.K., well, oh, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But if she decides to sell in the EU, um, she'll already have her trademark. Um, because here's the thing. The current brand registry is only for the U.S. Um, okay. They will be opening brand registries for Europe. They will be opening brand registries for Asia. China, of course, has its own and will have its own. But I, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't, but yeah. But I think Japan and Australia, for example, will probably be on the same one. I think uh, most of Europe will be on the same one, maybe the U.K. as well, maybe India as well. So um, they kind of do it geographically. So we're waiting for them to roll out the other brand registries because what's going to happen is a brand is going to have to register in each one of them um, if they want to enforce. So here's the thing. Let's say you 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 know she gets her her trademark through Finland or the EU or wherever, Liechtenstein, um, and uh, gets her her brand registry set up, claims her listing, makes these nice enhanced brand listings, um, and the nice thing is once that's done, then nobody can change your listing. You're the only one um, because you own them. However, you can't enforce trademark infringement until you get the U.S. trademark. Okay. Okay, so, so that's where, yeah, that's the issue. She has other Indian suppliers who have copied her products who are now on the listings that I made, and no. we can't do anything about it, you know, um, because no. the same kind of craftsmen are all over India, and they could make similar products, but they're not her brand, you know? Right. Well, and that's the thing. If she has her product branded properly, and they're selling a product that is not branded, then, um, you know, that's what she could do with the meantime is do test buys and turn them into Amazon for counterfeit and inauthentic. Could I do the test buys for her? Would she have to do them? Yeah. No, you can do them. Okay. I'll do them. The sellers have 24 and 50% feedback right now, so I don't know how long they'll last anyway, you know? <laughs> Right, but in the meantime, they're damaging her brand. Right, exactly. Okay, I, that'll put that on my list. That's great to know. Yeah. So anybody else, if you have that issue, that's something mm-hmm. you could do. Um, so and as soon as your U.S. patents or, excuse me, trademarks come through, you add them to your brand registry to go and now you can enforce. Okay. You know, and, and then she'll always be able to enforce in Europe, too, when that opens up. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah that's why I tell people, just... Just do it, do it now, um, and, uh, you know, get those brands in the process because they do take time. Um, but at least you can get in and, and you get the same benefit as people used to get with Vendor Express or Vendor mm-hmm. Central. There's right. the only difference between A-plus content and enhanced.
enhanced brand content right now is you can do clickable um, infographics with Vendor Central. Can't do that yet with enhanced brand central uh, content, but you will be able to. It's coming. But you can do video now um, on either platform. Yeah, and that would be a big one in the craft field to have videos on how to do the stuff, you know, with it. So that's yeah. huge. Yeah, right now you can so, just do one video, but soon we suspect you'll be able to do multiple. Okay, so I want to get back. I'm sorry I sidetracked everybody. Um, back to the bundle thing. So say that there is a bundle on Amazon already that we did not create, but we have the exact items that are in the bundle, and they're all from brand X. Okay, they're all the camera, tripod, and case are all brand X, and that's the mm -hmm. brand that's listed as the brand. Can we sell on that listing, or what do we have to do to protect ourselves on that listing? Because we don't know what that person got to who made the listing. Right. So Amazon will say if you're selling exactly the same thing, right down to the box or bag or whatever it comes in, um, if it's exactly the same, you can sell it. Okay, um, now we're like you said. Well, well, you know, did the person who set up the listing set it up correctly? Maybe, maybe not. Um, and so, you know, here's the thing: if the brand wants to come in and enforce, you know, um, like they they want to come in and enforce, you'll get taken down as well. Um, so the whole everybody will get yanked then. Uh huh. If the most okay. likely, because most of them just yank everybody. I mean, if they have a relationship with you and they know who you are, they know what your storefront name is, um, you know, uh, they don't have to take you down. They can cherry pick who they take down, right? They can say, oh, well, Charlene ha actually had permission, but I don't know these other okay. people. Okay. Um, and, but yeah, that's part of the problem with brand registry 2.0. It's been driving me insane is, you know, people are doing what Amazon told them, which is they're listing on an existing listing. They didn't create the listing. They have no idea that it was a violating trademark. They assumed because it was on Amazon that the brand had given, you know, permission right. for the, the use of their name. So it's what we call a big mess. Yeah, there's more horses running as you've turned around to shut that other door, you know. Mm -hmm. It is. Or it's whack-a-mole. You know, you get one thing fixed and another one comes up. Um, right. So if, so if I've made a bundle listing, that is a a bundle from different manufacturers. So say I've got I've got um, knitting needle A and yarn B in this, mm -hmm. and I listed originally with one of those um, eBay uh, leading edge codes that are dead GS1 codes. Um, should I go back and try to fix it, or what should I do in that case? Well, um, yes. If you think that you might have trouble with the brand, and it's the same brand then I would try. I would try to get a UPC code from them for the bundle. If but it's, it's a, brand, it's a brand, bundle of two, diff, two different brands. Right. So that's where you need to actually create your own brand. Um, and so technically I would tell you, you would need the absolute right way to do it would be to create your own brand um, to create a new listing and to also make sure your brand is on the product. So like the picture I had in my blog. Um, right, and it's, it's in the group, the picture's there, so yeah. they'll be able to see it. Yeah, so the Crave, you know, this I, I don't know anything about this brand. I just, I picked them because they were 
popular and I found them fast. Okay, so it has nothing to do with them. But what they've done correctly, <laughs> um, and that's why I'm using them as an example, is, you know, they have a branded box where it's printed on the box. So it's not a sticker, right? It's, it's a permanent box that they've had manufactured for them. And, and then they have all this, you know, junk food in it from different, you know, different producers mm-hmm. or suppliers. And, um, and so now they've created this craze brand. They have the box, they, which is part of the product. They have the product. And now they have a unique bundle that nobody can duplicate. Because they've got their they, box. They've got their box. And it's their branded box. And so that is the safest way to do a bundle. Like, I I won't say to you, oh, you know, Charlene, you're going to get caught, right? Because I don't know. I mean, your your brands that you have in your bundle, they may never care. They may never come on the platform. Well, Um, they know I'm doing it, for one thing. That's where I think I might have an advantage, is I've told them what I'm doing. Yeah. So... You know, if you're not worried about the trademark aspect, then you're probably fine because you can follow Amazon's guidelines um, in every other way with bundles, and you're you're fine. Um, and even your dead UPC code. Um, now, again, if you were uh, trademarked and you were in brand registry, you know, 2.0, mm-hmm. and you claimed your listings, you would be telling Amazon, these are my UPC codes. Right, so even though they are not GS1, you would be telling them those are your UPC codes, so they would know. Okay, Charlene owns that UPC code, and that's the UPC code for that bundle. Okay, so I'm, I'm using myself as an example because a lot of it relates to the question. So I've got my store name trademarked. Um, mm-hmm. So I haven't applied for brand registry. So I should do that next, right? Because it doesn't cost me anything to do it once I have my right. trademark, correct? Okay, so that yeah. would be my next step. Then moving forward, as I create new bundles, I would use my brand registered name as the brand name, create uh-huh. the bundle. Then could I get a, a GTIN exemption for my own bundles? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're the, you're the brand owner. So I could so write a letter you, saying, you know. Uh, yeah, we don't have UPC codes. Okay, so that simplifies that part a lot. Now, here's the other kettle of fish that's in there, is that as you are now the brand owner, you have to make sure your insurance will cover you, your liability insurance, just to throw that out there. That's right. That's very true. So, you know, it gets simple in one way that becomes more complicated in another. That's right. So to use the example in the picture, you know, they had all this, you know, Cheetos and Lay's and things like that. And you're like, well, those are the biggest brands in the world. And, you know, it's, it's true. If, if um, you know, somebody had a bad experience with the Cheetos, they're more likely to go after, I think it's Frito-Lay, uh, they're more likely to go after them than they are to go after you. But technically, you're liable as well. And, you know, God forbid you put a expired bag of Cheetos in there. Now you're liable for sure. So definitely being the brand owner has a lot more responsibility, um, but it also gets you a lot more protection. So, you know, you have to decide, you know, what 
what you want to invest in. And like the Crave guys, they are, they obviously do food boxes. And so for them, this made a lot of sense. They've made a lot of food bundles. Um, mm-hmm. Getting branded made sense because now they can create these bundles and nobody else can list on them. Because so of that they, box. That's the secret, yeah. isn't it? You know? Uh-huh. It's that box. In that case. Yep. Yeah. And I, I so, learned that years ago um, from a competitor of mine, Candy, um, made me, he had wonderful listings and I wanted to list on his stuff so bad. I couldn't source the box. And so I couldn't. And, well, that um, is a, a great way. And I'm going to, I just have to back it up here a sec because we have some members who have had stores, but they're not trademarked. They can still use that store as the brand name. They just don't have the brand registry protection for it, correct? That's right. And so, okay. and, and so, and also what happens is they don't have the listing protection either. So if somebody else wanted to go in and mess with their listing, they could. Right? Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of advantages to getting brand registered, and that's one of them is that nobody can mess with your listing. Um, the other one is, of course, access to the enhanced brand content. So you can make these really beautiful listings. And again, um, I mean, Amazon doesn't charge anything for that. Yeah, so that's, I think if you are trademarked at this point, you should definitely at least get in the brand registry to have that Absolutely. done. Okay, yeah. that's, a, that's an action step right there. And I'm going to say, having gone through it and done it, and my husband's done it, he has two trademarks, one for the the, the dog in his his logo because it's very distinctive, and then other for the the name of his store. So he has the two, the visual and the word one. Um, that it was very simple. We use Legal Zoom, but there are lots of sources out there. You said you do it for your clients, so it was pretty mm-hmm. simple to do. It was just you had to wait a long time, you know. Um, right. Well, it was I, like I had one phone call with the the guy um, at Legal Zoom, and then they did it all. You know, and the next thing I know, I got a vanilla envelope in the mail with the trademark thing, like nine months later. So I think if you're serious about your business, it might be a step you want to think about. Right. Well, and, you know, I mean, the USPTO charges like 200 and something dollars. Yeah, yeah it was something like that. Yeah, but that's nothing. Um, not for something that could save you and make you so much money, but save you so much trouble. Um, I was just going to mention, we, we also have a, a um, online course that I, I created with Jeffrey Grabowski, uh, Filing Your Own Trademark. So um, ah, I get okay. you, I'll get you the link for that. Um, Great. I'll, I'll look it up, but you can post it. But basically, you know, you take the class, and he, he assumes in the class that you're, you're ready to file, like you've done kind of the research. And, and we, we give links and stuff, but you, know, you do all the research to make sure that there's not something out there very similar. And um, and then he walks you through it. So literally at the end of the class, if you're ready, you will end the class having filed your trademark. And the nice thing about that is, of course, once you know how, you can do it over and over and over, over, and over, and over. Yeah. And not have to hire a lawyer. Um, and so anyway, that's... Uh, okay, uh, and Shelly's asking. That. So Shelly... We'll put the link in the, the group and for anybody else interested. And if you're a do-it-yourself kind of person, it's, this may be the way to go for you, you know. If you have more time than money, um, then, then doing it yourself is, is a good option. But I think I'm going to recommend mm-hmm. just my personal recommendation that, that everybody think about it, especially if you're going to move into your own website. 
you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you bought the domain name, but you want a, as much protection as you can get for that. So, um, so I think it's a right. great idea. And it does yeah. help us, I think, as we move forward on, on Amazon as that funnel tightens, the more we can do to protect ourselves now, the better, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I registered my company name um, and, um, and all of that just, just because I had people from China trying to steal it. And I'm like, it just woke me up. It woke me up to the fact that, you know, you just have to. We live in a global economy now. And, you know, just like I couldn't have people in China using my name. Um, right. You know, yeah. if you're really trying to build something, if you're really trying to build a brand, if you want something you can sell someday, then you need to have intellectual property. Um, now, if you're just going to be selling, you know, other people's brands, you know, um, you know, fine. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily need that. Um, although I would tell people, Anyway, always trademark your own company name. If you ever want to sell your business down the road, it helps if you actually own your name. So, totally and agree. your logo. Yeah. Yep. So, even if you're not going to use it on Amazon, you know, just, just anyway, that's just a, a little side note. Um, so, yeah, so now if you look at the creative example, they, um, they now have a bundle that cannot be duplicated. And and so anything that they do to enhance that that listing, anything they do to uh, advertise that product, um, you know, everything that they do, they're going to make money off it. And it's because of BrandRegistry 2.0, once they have the USPTO um, trademark, which they probably do, I'm going to assume, um, now they can also enforce. So if they see people, you know, creating you know, fake crave boxes or, you know, mm-hmm. using crave um, out there in a very similar manner, um, they can just go and kick them off really quickly and Amazon will now support them, whereas they wouldn't if they just had a common a common law trademark. So, so I'm gonna I, I'm gonna call I'm gonna call someone out in the group. I'm gonna call out Shelly because I know Shelly does a ton of bundles. Um holiday themed stuff, party stuff, tons of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So so if you were, if, here's what I'm going to say if I was Shelly, what I would do, and then correct me what I've gotten wrong, because I'm going to put myself in Shelly's shoes. I would first trademark my brand name, whether it's my store name or whatever, but my brand name. I would trademark mm-hmm. it. Then I would get it brand registered in Brand Registry 2.0 on Amazon, and then all the br- bundles I created would be under that brand name, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I would make sure that I was either um, developing my own products or had permission to put any branded products in that bundle. So if I was doing a party thing with Hallmark cards, I would make sure Hallmark gave me permission to put those in the bundle. Does that sound right? If you, if you could. You know, yeah, if, you, if I could, yeah. If you can't, then you can still put it in the listing. You just can't put it in the title. In the title, right, because you don't want to, to get in that. But, but say I source products from China that are purely generic products with no brand name whatsoever, then there's no issue, right, because they didn't have right. any brand name to begin with. There are party horns and tablecloths and all of that. And then well, the, I, as then I work and move forward and I'm developing my brand name, 
um, that then may stick in people's minds. Right. And then I would say if you're doing mostly generic, then all the more reason to have your own brand and a unique packaging um, okay. and to build your brand that way. Because otherwise, it is very easy for someone to come in and duplicate your funnel, right? And there won't be much you can do about it if Amazon determines that you're a generic. Um, so if everything you have is, is generic, then anybody can list on your listing that's selling the same product. But Okay. If, if it's, again, if it's packaged in some way, um, if it's, you know, in, like I have a client that repackages candy, right? They buy brand name candy uh, in, you know, huge, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 pounds at a time, right? In huge uh, quantities. And then they repackage it into smaller quantities, like one pound, you know, whatever. And, and so even though it might be craft caramels, um, they actually sell it in their branded um, uh, bags, and they have the ingredients on the back, and they have, you know, and, and everything. And so, and you've seen these. If you've gone to any convenience mm-hmm. store, you've oh, seen yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and that's allowed. So, it, you know, it may say, you know, sweet treats on the front, and it has a little logo and a picture, and on the back, you know, it says what it is, you know, and what's in it, and calories and all that crap. But, um, you know, they, they get away with that or they're allowed to do that because, you know, they have, they have a brand. And, mm-hmm. and so it's their brand of caramel. And if, and if they wanted to, they could even mix caramel. You know, I love the dark chocolate ones. They mm-hmm. could, if they wanted to, mix that with the regular. And, and they could create anything that they want. Um, they also have an FDA-inspected I was just going to say that, yeah, if you have the uh, the uh, licensed kitchen thing where you do it, you know, that yeah. comes the other thing. So I want to move back because I want to make sure that, that I'm totally clear and not telling people something wrong, and then I'm, I'm going to just pull Shelly out again. So Shelly has a store that's called XYZ Party Supplies, okay? Mm-hmm. But her brand brand is ABC Stuff, and that's trademarked. So the party supply Amazon store can sell that trademark stuff because she owns both of them. Is that correct? Right. Yes. There you go. So Shelly, yeah. So she she can sell it because she has permission from the brand. Um, right. Because she owns the brand, so she gave her store permission because she's not going to get a trademark infringement from herself. Correct. Okay. Yes. But there's also I no think, reason why she couldn't also trademark her. Store name, store as well. name, like right? If, yeah, and so she, if she has a lot of bundles out there that have her store name, but she really wants to do something broader, you know, like she may have a company where she does party supplies, but she also does, you know, food boxes, and she also does, um, you know, something else. She could have a separate brand for each type of bundle that she creates. So maybe one is, you know, organic health foods. One is. Um, that she's bundling, and one is the party supplies, and one is, um, you know, something else, hand lotion, I don't know, um, candles, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. she wants, uh, Zen packages. So she could have a separate brand for each one of those, and it can be the manufacturer, um, the same manufacturer, ABC Company, um, and that ABC Company also owns, you know, these three different brands. So, 
if she's thinking towards the future, like, hmm, someday I might want to sell my business or I may want to spin off one of my brands and so I want to set it up this way so I can do it more easily. I do encourage people to sit down and really think where they want to go with their company and think big and plan now because um, then in the future they're ready. Like it's so much easier to spin off one brand, for example. Um, but they can also oh, sell the okay. whole company. They can also sell so you the could, whole company. You could sell the party supplies brand and not sell the hand lotion brand, you know, basically. Right. Is what, you know, yeah, okay. So right. you can have separate brands if you want, but you don't have to. Um, right. And Shelly, I really like, like Cynthia's advice of sitting down and thinking about where you want to go with it. And this is where paper is like way better than any fancy technology, I think. <laughs> Big piece of paper, a whiteboard, a chalkboard, and just start writing it down, drawing boxes with arrows or whatever works for you about where do you want to be in five years? I mean, I'm thinking about my exit strategy from business because I want to retire someday. So how do mm -hmm. I structure things so I can get out and get out with some money, you know, not just close it up? Because that's, right. not, that's not what we, – we, we work too hard to just, like, shut it down, you know? Right. Um, so and, and I think a, a brand has inherent value, right? So that's, that's the thing. When someone comes to buy you, um, you know, they may look at, you know, part of the purchase price is going to be maybe your inventory and all of that, but they're also going to look at all the intrinsics, you know, what – what is your brand value? What is, um, you know, you know, the 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 brand may actually have way more value than, you know, anything inventory. else. Inventory, yeah, yeah. Than the inventory, yeah, and that's definitely true. And also, um, there there comes things that go along with that. With um, and we're not going to talk about selling an Amazon business, but category approvals and and all of that kind of mm -hmm. stuff, you know, goes along mm -hmm. with it too. But that's a whole other kettle of fish. So. I have taken right. up more than an hour of your time. Um, I think we answered a lot, of, a lot of questions that we now have a direction to go. And I would suggest to anybody who's listening to, to just get some pencil and paper, think about what bundles and multi-packs you've had, how they were created. Do you need to do anything to bring them more into line or are you okay? Um, and what is your plan going to be moving forward with new ones? I know what mine's going to be now. I'm now going to apply for brand registry since I've trademarked um, my, my business name, my store name. Mm -hmm. um, so, so have a plan. It's really, really important. And this is a, a really going to be a big year Amazon-wise, I think, for changes. I think we're going to just be blindsided every time we turn around for changes. So, you know, it, it doesn't make the business easy, but it's never dull. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so right, I'm you're never going to be out of business. <laughs> no, I always have new reasons to be around. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. I'm I'm going to post some of these links now um, in the uh, um, uh, in the group here, just so that um, if people want to do some research or they want to really read the bundle policy or that's you know, anything. So I will have it well, up there. Well, I do really – I appreciate you spending the time. I appreciate the people who pose questions. I appreciate yes. Shelly letting me use her as an example because sometimes it's more concrete with some, when you know someone who's in that situation, you know, to actually say how it's going. And I'm going to thank you again, Cynthia. And Cynthia is a member of our group. You can tag her in there with questions. And I do want to say that 
if you get to a certain point where there's that little itch at the back of your head or whatever about your Amazon account, I would suggest maybe having Cynthia's team do the account review. I did it about six months ago, and it made me feel better that I was on the right track, that I hadn't done something stupid that I'd missed or whatever. So so think about doing that. It's kind of like that little um, doctor's checkup, you know, kind of thing to make sure you're doing okay. So thanks again, Cynthia, and we will talk to you in the group. Bye-bye, okay. everybody. Bye. With Lucky Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.